0: I-, I wished I actually healed everything that I had to heal before I became a parent, so I didn't have to like transfer all my traumas to my son.
1: This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Hovington, and I'm your host. Today we are having another episode of um, the new series I started called Am I the Only One? I'd love to hear back from you. You can email me at info at or you can come visit me at, on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. I'd love to know if you are enjoying these episodes or if you'd like me to stick to the science part only. The reason why I am doing these episodes is because I do think that there are many parents out there there that have an experience or have a journey that they can share with us that can help some other parents feel less alone or can help a parent feel seen Um, which is why I wanted to add a few of these episodes but like I said I'd love to hear back from you. Before we move towards today's episode I wanted to share a book that I purchased this week that has truly moved me and marked me the book is called the boy the mole the fox and the horse i bought it originally for my kids we read it together and i have to say it's been by my bedside now for the entire time um i i cannot stop reading it i read it over (laughs) um i've read it a few times now and it's just it's such a beautiful book and for adults um if you're my friend listening, you're probably getting this for Christmas. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful story about friendship, but not just, you know, with other people, but with yourself as well. I just wanted to read um, a page or two for you. Being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindnesses, said the mole. We often wait for kindness, but being kind to yourself can start now, said the mole. Just That's just two pages. <laughs> and I think it's something that we can take literally today and just use that as the, your mantra today and just repeat it to yourself. Um, but every single page has, you know, these types of quotes. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. A great Christmas gift for a child or even a friend. I would like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. They are at the neuro and are the first health sciences institute in the world to commit to open science, just like we do here at Curious Neuron. So thank you. If you are enjoying the Curious Neuron podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and as well as leave a review and a rating on whichever platform you're using to listen to this podcast. It would be greatly appreciated if you do so. If you'd like to get some daily tips on about parenting and child development, you can follow Curious Neuron on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. Or you, if you are interested in just the podcast itself, you can follow us at curious neuron podcast on Instagram. You can also read our blog posts on our website at curiousneuron.com and we have the academy and you could get a discount for the courses that we have at the academy starting today all the way until Sunday night, this Sunday night, so this is our sort of Thanksgiving sale you could use the code CURIOUS35 to get 35% off our parent play camp which helps you understand how to support your child's um, brain development through play, so through pretend play what to say to them, how to scaffold and break things down when they're struggling with with something like a puzzle for example and we also have the better me better parent um, program that is a booklet that it's a I think 144 pages and it brings you through this journey of trying to understand who you are as a parent how The way you were parented um, impacts how you're parenting, how to build a child, uh, how to build a relationship with your child. And all of this, as always, that I'm talking about both these programs are backed by science. It's um, the way that I build them is by reading research and creating programs for you. So you can visit CuresNone.com and click on services and then academy to um, learn more information about our programs. All right, let's move on to today's interview. So, my guest today is Emmanuel, and he is a restaurant owner, and also the founder of the Brunch Club, um, which is something that he is um our ha- is starting has started recently, and um, what he is trying to do is create a safe space for men to have. Conversations and to grow together, and he will explain it um, during our conversation. Um, I think that he is doing such wonderful work, and the fact that he's opening up about his experiences is really important because. It's the more that we open up about our all, our own experiences. The same way that I talk about parenting advice, but I share the ups and the downs on on social media. That is how we connect with other people, and that is how we grow as well as as an individual and as a society. He um, will be talking about trauma that he experienced in his past so I would like to um, put out a trigger warning for those of you who are listening he will talk about abuse and if this is something that um, is triggering for you then um, perhaps um, skip this episode or um, listen to it slowly in in little pieces Um, it's at the beginning of our conversation that he does talk about this but what's you know the the conversation continues into understanding how this experience led to where he is today and how he has worked through all of this um, to become the father that he is today. And like he says, it's something that is always a work in progress. So I think there's a lot to learn from the conversation with him. Um, he, there was a post that he he um, put up on Instagram a few weeks ago. And it really marked me. And it's part of the conversation that we have. He wrote, By creating a safe space for men to be vulnerable, we are creating a safe space for women to be free. It is such a powerful quote. And um, he is a powerful person. If you are a father listening to this episode, um, first, thank you. Second of all, um, I, I hope that this episode start some uncomfortable conversations between fathers, I hope that it starts some conversations between husbands and wives, if they're, you know, the they're able to relate to some things that Emmanuel talks about you know, between a relationship. I hope that they see that he was able to link some of the ways that he was, um, um, acting to his past and that now he's seen a big difference through the work that he is doing. Um, and that is the kind of, those are the types of conversations that I'm hoping this episode, um, creates. Needing therapy and needing to work through some of our issues in our past does not mean that we are broken. You are not broken. Um, And I, I want you to know that. Please enjoy my interview with Emmanuel. Welcome back to the Curious Neuron Podcast, everyone. Today's an episode that we like to call as part of the series, Am I the Only One? And as you know, we've been talking to some parents this season, and today I have Emmanuel. Um, Welcome to the Curious Neuron Podcast.
0: Hey, thank you very much for having me.
1: We're having an important discussion today, an important conversation that everybody who's listening knows that I've started having this conversation a lot more now, and I think the reason why I'm having more conversations with fathers and with men is because whenever I post something about mental health uh, in men, for example, I had posted about postpartum depression and that can happen in dads too, um, I get flooded with emails from moms who are asking how to support their husbands. And I'm, I'm getting questions when it comes to parenting men who seem to be suffering in silence in terms of their mental health. And that's why I think that we should talk about this because it does impact how we parent. So before we get into the parenting part, um, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So tell us a little bit um, about who you are. Uh, you're, we're gonna talk about this at the end as well, your project and all that. Um, but I'd love to know your story, you know, where, you know who are you and, and how were you parented when you were young?
0: Well, um, uh, again, my name is Emmanuel. Uh, I am originally from Mexico and living in Canada for now over 10 years and I mean the question about how was a parent my parents in Mexico and in this case my dad for example it's it's definitely a a long story a complicated question but I was I was I was brought up in a home where uh, definitely emotions were not shared with my father for example Uh, my mom was Uh, she was incredible about talking and expressing. Like I think my conversations about sexuality, I had them with my mother, not even with my dad. Um, So Mm. I I was, I'm very thankful and lucky that my mother was more open up about talking in general and being open with her and, and sharing anything that was in my mind. But the problem is, I mean, parenting is in this case was done by both mom and dad. Mm. And, Unfortunately, my dad was raised in a family where just things were not shared. It was just all about work, as all about uh, money. It was all about what a man is supposed to do. And my dad brought up to our that to our family. And he was just I can tell you this much. I think I can count with one hand and probably I can only use two fingers how many times my dad said, I love you. So, that just tells you the kind of uh, the style of dad that he was. He was just about work. Yeah. He was all about uh, this is what you're supposed to do, and that's about it. He when he come home, he'll watch, sit down, watch TV, and that's pretty much it. So it was it was it was a, it was not the best way to to raise a child. That's for sure. Uh, but then it definitely didn't work out for me too well uh because i'm also a victim of a uh, sexual abuse uh as i was on my sixth as i as i was in sixth grade i was uh sexually assaulted uh in a catholic school that i attended and the problem with this was that my dad never talked about it and if any he, he
1: knew about it oh yeah he knew about it did he know yeah. he knew about it I'm sorry. but
0: he he never wanted to talk about it. And actually he never wanted to do anything about it because it was almost too embarrassing for him as a man to have Mm. a child that was raped Um, and and not just a child, a male child that was raped. Mm. So then obviously for me growing up as a child, that was extremely traumatic because I had to suppress it for the longest time. But then what happens is when you, when you, talk about rape it's mainly women it's not men mm-hmm. and then in a society like I grew up being in Mexico that it almost categorizes you as a gay immediately and it's ignorant it, it, it ignorant but that is almost like oh you're not a man yeah. you're not you're not a real man because you were raped and then mm-hmm. I think I think that the one of the first comments I do remember about my dad about what happened was you're a big guy why didn't you defend yourself I mean like I was in sixth grade. I was in sixth grade. I mean I was a big child already but I was in Mm. sixth grade. How can I defend myself to Mm. something like that right. But obviously that is a little bit my background. I mean my dad was uh, physically abusive to my mother and that's how I grew up. I grew up with that mentality of this is what a man should be and this is how men should act and talk and and do or say and but and then when I became a a husband in this case, I was just following the same patterns and following the same, mm. never domestic, never abusive, thankfully. Uh, I always thought that that was wrong and I never wanted to do any of that. But then the problem is with my kids, I was not very open. And although I, was, I tried, I tried to be more open with them, but then I wouldn't have the patience and I wouldn't do all these different things. Mm. And, but because I never did the healing on myself. I never did the actual so at
1: that point you
0: hadn't I at that point i hadn't i mean yeah. i actually became a young parent as well because the problem with when you mm. when you when you don't have supportive parents and in this case my dad like as men for example we never talk about like it, i never talk about sex uh, sexual uh uh inter, inter, in, in intercourse with my father so yeah. mm. i i mean where do you learn that from so I mean I, I became a father at, at the age of 21 uh, and at this point I st- I was still a child you could say I was still a kid and now working through my emotions just at the end of the day you, you like my family becomes like my dumpster right and then all of a sudden you add a child to the picture and a responsibility is like I'm still a traumatized, kid trying to take care of a kid now like i mean like it it was Mm. it was just not right i wish i i I wished i actually healed everything that i had to heal before i became a parent so i didn't have to like Mm. transfer all my traumas to my son
1: i first i can't thank you enough for being so open and vulnerable about your your past because i'm sure that there are parents listening fathers listening who haven't been able to open up about that and and As you know, here in Quebec, we've had lots of cases with the Catholic Church. um, And it's almost something that's kind of like swept under the rug. And it shouldn't be. Because like you said, you become a parent and all that comes back, right? All that trauma comes back and we need to do something about it. There's healing that needs to be done. And that phrase you just said at the end, where I wish I would have known like I needed to do that work before and to heal before becoming a parent. I wish every new parent knew that. I really do because we sometimes we don't even realize the impact it'll have, right? We think if we just ignore it, how why would that impact how I parent? I'm gonna be a good parent, you know, like I won't yell, I I'm gonna I'll be this and that, and then all of a sudden the child starts having tantrums or even a newborn crying, and you're so triggered by it. You're just there's something that you can't even put your finger on, and you're just reacting and responding in a way that you don't want to, but it's that past that's coming back. So I, I, I truly appreciate that you brought that up um I, I the the picture that you painted of your father is interesting because it reminds me of my paternal grandfather when we would just arrive at my grandparent 's house he would go into the basement and he would i don 't remember having any conversation with him um he just wouldn 't talk to us he would just be there to eat and then go hide and like on a couch that he had and like, he wouldn 't interact with us at all and then he my grandmother passed away and he had a new friend a uh, girlfriend she became a girlfriend later on um and she changed him completely he started speaking to us he would call me and have conversations not long you know like five minutes but it was a big difference um and I hadn't realized how much trauma he had from his past too and he was just kind of hiding from everybody it was interesting and on his deathbed he he said I wish I would have spent more time with my family you know and and that really marked me um because like you said men tend to work right it's you're and m- many of you are raised many men are raised that way even my husband it's like all you do is work <laughs> and it, you have to keep up to feed the family to house the family to do all of that so you're mentioning a lot of things that parents say to me you know and things that we experience in our home as well um do you with with what you mentioned what are some things let's say there's a father who's listening right now what what If he hasn't opened up about his past or trauma, what are some steps that a father could be taking right now?
0: Well, I think one of the most important things is uh, that uh, I feel we all make some mistakes, sometimes believing that we can work on all of this alone. Uh, uh, I mean, I think Mm. think we can do some self-work. I I think it is possible. But I think at the end of the day, we have to get this started with some kind of help. Uh, I wasn't able to actually start doing some of the self-work until I actually started attending therapy. And I I feel one of the biggest things that really started this uh, self-healing for me was to, to attend to a therapist get some professional help to actually help me go through Mm. my past help me understand that it's not my fault help me to understand that i i need to needed to do some changes and at the same time help me understand that because i grew up with a lot of uh anger towards my father for example right because i mean it it almost it was my my blame now you Mm. are the reason why i'm like that well to a point, maybe yes, but then after I become responsible of my own, the, the way I act and, and my own actions, you know what I mean? So I, I also had to understand that I was raised by a father that was dealing with a lot of trauma. Like at the end of the day, that's what it is. I I, I was raised by, a, by my father, which it was also dealing with his own kind of trauma, but unfortunately no one has taught him to speak up and no one has actually mm-hmm. taught him to say, you can share your emotions. You can share the way you feel. You can share your problems. You can share your 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 sadness, which is one of the most important things. No one ever taught him that. I I remember seeing my father crying maybe once, and and that's about it. And it, and and he was hiding when he was crying because he didn't want anyone to see him crying. So I feel one of the most important things that I can pass on to another father is. If you recognize that you need some work, reach out for some professional help. Because the problem is that we, other men, unfortunately, we are not, at the beginning, we're not equipped. We, we're still, like, there's a lot of other men that are, and I mean, if we have a good friend that it's supportive and it's understanding and, and he can help you out, maybe that's one of the first steps. But at the end of the day, most of men, we are dealing with a lot of trauma and we are dealing with a lot of past issues. And it's it's important to reach out to someone that can canalize this and, and kind of, like, directly, uh, directly, li- direct they're acted properly and into the right mm-hmm. direction.
1: What if there's a man listening and he feels that it'll, you know, he doesn't have to deal with it. He doesn't he could just suppress it, right? So even you're talking about the emotions, right? How I'm wondering what the first steps because they might be listening and and they might not be ready or they might not know who to open up to because that opening up or being vulnerable, right? could be a really hard step so if if they're not there yet how how what are some baby steps that they could take maybe within their marriage too because like you said we tend to dump all our trauma and all our past back onto our family so maybe right now there's a couple that's struggling because the man is very closed up what would be some some small steps to take you know within within a home where a man can start healing or learn how to open up a little bit more
0: well I can tell you that suppressing it, it never worked for me. Uh, Hmm. I think I I tried doing it for the longest time. And the only thing that it caused, it's problems in my marriage. Uh, Because the problem was that my wife was my dumping ground. Like she was my therapist and she was my wife. and, And I was expecting basically for her to be kind of like the strong pillar and take on all the load that I was putting on her, but then at the same time, deal with her own stuff. And, Mm. and I mean, I I was expecting her to be a mother, to be a therapist, to be a house cleaner, basically, to be like all these different hats, to put all these different hats on herself. And at the end of the day, the only thing that that starts, starts causing is fractures in the relationship. And eventually, that's not going to be able to be repaired. So suppressing it, it, it won't work. It might, it, might, it, it might make it non-visible for some time, but eventually, everything starts coming up to the surface. So I found out that one of the first things is I told my wife, I need help. And I admitted to her, I need help. And he, basically, you cannot help because you need your, you need to help yourself, basically, like you, you, like, now I've been dumping all these things on you. And it's not fair for me to keep just thinking that you're going to be my savior. And and at the same time, you have to be your own. So I I had to admit, I need help. I'm going to start seeing a therapist on a weekly basis. And I need I need that professional help. Otherwise, our marriage won't succeed. I will never be able to be a g- good father for my kids, and that was my first steps.
1: Realizing that you needed to tell her you need help, was that something in yourself that happened where you realized now it's enough? Was it something within your your family, like your marriage or your with your kids, that you made that made you realize enough is enough? Like I need to to get some help.
0: Well, I mean, obviously. It started, it it, it, it was, I mean, not obviously, because it shouldn't be obvious, but it created some problems. Like my my wife started to pinpoint some of these problems, right? And basically started giving me an ultimatum saying like, if you do not do something, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like if you don't start getting the work done, I don't know how can we keep moving forward because uh, you you need to do something. And I mean, um, I have to be grateful. My wife always... Kind of like push me into reading, uh, mm-hmm. and she—I could say that she was the spark that got me into being now a book uh, addict. I, like, <laughs> I, 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 oh yeah! I literally just came back from Indigo, and I think we bought about ten books. And, oh my
1: gosh, I love it! And it's just adding—it's <laughs> just
0: adding to the uh, to the pile of books. Like I mean, I probably have yeah. over a hundred something books. Um, Amazing. <laughs> and I, I think one of the first books she got me to read, and she was like, "I want you to read this." Like basically, she just gave it to me, and she gave and she gave it to me even as, as we were boyfriend and girlfriend. It was the uh, Four Agreements. It's called. And um, oh
1: yeah,
0: I heard go. Yeah. That helped a lot. I I think I've Mm. read that book about four times already because Mm. it really helped a lot to start that little spark inside myself of self-discovery and understanding that there was something that I had to work on. Um, Mm. Then I think there was another book that she gifted me or she suggested, I think it was the monk that sold his Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot too. Yeah. That is started the whole ball rolling. And I mean, I, I think as, as any kind of addiction or problem, the first step is to admit you have a problem. And mm-hmm. I admitted it. I said, yes, I do have a problem. I have to do something to solve it because then it creates insecurity problems where obviously mm-hmm. it turn into jealousy. It turned into, uh, control try to control what like my wife was doing like what she was where she was going everything and it's not healthy like I mean it's not it was not even healthy not just for her but for me it was exhausting it was draining and I think this the the help reaching out for help even if even if it's not a professional because I guess you don't feel like you need a professional help reach out to someone. I mean, that could be, I guess, your sister, your mother, uh, your father, your, I mean, you have problems with it, like, but maybe a friend, uh, and that's where I'm trying to like, that is kind of my, my mission right now is to create a safe space. I
1: was going to bring that up. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, that is where I, yeah,
1: please talk about it.
0: Yeah. That is where I've been trying to really make it. My life mission is to try to help other men, uh, I I, I don't think I had a true male relationship until recent years because the problem is that I don't think with between men, we truly open up to other men in our entire self. Like we do not ever become a hundred percent vulnerable with other men. Um, I recently talked to this about this with uh, someone else, but I I made the comparison that I felt even between friends or what you can call, I quote friends, because we always even see it as a competition, like between men, we see ourselves as competition. Who is more men? Hmm. Who has the most amount of money? Who has the best job? Who has the best wife or girlfriend? Uh, Who has the best Mm -hmm. kids, the best sport, the best body? Like we, we always Hmm. compare and compete between each other. So that is kind of like a a barrier that doesn't allow yourself to actually truly be friends with another man and be vulnerable because the moment you become vulnerable, it's almost like you're admitting you're, you're less of a man than the other one. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't really had true friends until recent years because Until I understood that I there was nothing wrong with me crying with another guy. There's nothing wrong with me calling to another guy and say, buddy, like I have problems. I I am not right. I'm not good. I'm having troubles in my marriage. Like so I decided that I, I first of all I had to do something to help other men that felt the same way. And because I I am aware that there should be other men out there suffering with the same kind of traumas that I have, an abusive father, uh, sexual abuse, and uh, the, all the traumas that comes with that as, as you grow up in an unhealthy, misguided masculinity. Um, exactly. So right now I'm working on a project that is called the Brunch Club. So the Brunch Club is basically a lunch for men that will come together for uh, to, he- to basically to have lunch, to hear some guest speakers that talk about men's mental health, to hear maybe stories of victims that successfully turned their life around for the positive, mm-hmm. uh, but that were victims of un- misguided masculinity. Uh, maybe that will do workshops of things that are not typically things that a man will do. Mm-hmm. Maybe things like, for example, right now I'm on the talks with a hairstylist that could potentially teach us how to braid the hair of our daughters or how to do the hair Mm -hmm. of our daughters. You know what I mean? Like I I was never taught that. I have a daughter and I, I've been working on how to do a nice braid, but then I see my wife doing like a French braid and I'm like, okay, you're like, (laughs) you're making me look bad over here with my little, uh, level one braid. Right. But then who knows? Like somebody mm-hmm. that I know recently, a girl that I know recently uh, broke her arm and she cannot do her own hair. What if that happens to my mm-hmm. wife and she need help maybe doing a nice braid for her so she can go out on her married day? You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of things that are not taught to us because we're men and men don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so the idea of this space is to create um, a place where men can actually be vulnerable. Uh, to, mm. Together with this Brunch Club idea, I'm, I'll, I will also be starting the Brunch Club podcast, and which I'll inter- interview men, that, mm. men or women that have been victims of misguided masculinity. And then mm. I also have this uh, project that it should be launching next week. We're going to be having uh, T-shirts uh, that basically have a nice, beautiful logo on the front that says, safe a man's safe space so the whole idea with this project is they will be for sale yes men can buy them and the background on them is that i wish and i hope that that could be a spark of a conversation for another man maybe another man can Hmm. see another guy on the streets wearing the shirt and maybe he's feeling under the weather and he that is kind of like a welcoming like you can come and talk to me I will not judge you. I will not criticize you. And I will listen to you without you feeling that you are in danger of a man bullying you or making you feel less of a man. And uh, the proceeds, the uh, percentage of the profits will go to men's mental health associations. And another uh, half, like a percentage of the proceeds, will go to either. Uh, uh women's shelters or women's mm. uh associations that help uh with mental health because i believe that it's time for men to repay some of the damage we've caused mm. so yeah
1: your projects are amazing <laughs> you truly are amazing and you know, i'm thinking of bar- barriers because If we're if we want men to be vulnerable, I'm thinking of the men in my life right now, you know, brothers, brothers in law my husband, my my friend, my friends, husbands and vulnerability is very difficult. (laughs) And I'm wondering if 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 even having that space, how can we start? guiding men to be vulnerable to tell them that it's okay because i'm picturing the men that i know and putting them in a room (laughs) and it would be really quiet (laughs) and then they'd probably make fun of each other for something or talk about business or talk about you know like you said the the competition kind of stuff what sort of guidance do you think you'll you'll have to offer men in these spaces or in this space so that they can open up because i'm imagining there's some sort of coaching or guidance that has to happen
0: Definitely, there's a lot of work on this. And I, I am not, right? I am yeah. not uh, uh, going into this project thinking that it's going to be easy. I mean, mm. let, you know, I, coming to this country was not even easy. Uh, but uh, I know that this project is going to take challenge. It's going to be a big challenge because men have a barrier that, as, as we've talked about, mm. it, it, yeah. being, mm. being vulnerable is not an attribute of being a real man you know what i mean so um
1: and you're undoing so many years right of of a man being taught to suppress it not to have emotions not to express those emotions um but like you said there's so much power in having this space to be able to say like i had a rough week whether it's with my marriage or my kids or at work and i'm not mentally well today it's okay to say things like that or or to talk about the past like you said you know like we think about like women when we get together and we just talk about stuff. We get things off our chest. But even I bring my husband up a lot. Poor, poor guy. He'll be listening to this episode. But you know, we went through a whole week last week where we were very sick. The whole family got sick. And when he was sick, I was like, what do you need? You know, like, can I help you? And he's like, I'm fine. I'm like, but I just went through it two days ago and you're not fine. You're, you are you know, you're coughing, you're tired. What do you need? Do you want me to help you with something? And he still did everything that he usually does during the day. Went to work, you know, did his stuff, didn't want help at night, put the kids to bed. And sometimes it's so hard to break through that barrier to say like, it's okay to say like, I need help today or it's okay to, to not be well today. Um, but it's so, I'm thinking at the big, the, the bigger picture of trying to get men in, in, in the, to, to break down that barrier, like you said, it must. I well, I think it's a huge project <laughs> that that needs to happen. I'm wondering about how to get through to men.
0: Well, um, I I definitely don't have that answer. Like in in, in, mm, in a, I cannot give you a perfect answer. What I can yeah. what I can say is that I'm hoping that other men seeing maybe what another stereotypical real man might look like. You know what I mean? Like I am, I'm not a short guy. I am a big dude. Like I'm over 200 pounds, uh, full arm sleeve of tattoos, uh, full beard. Uh, I drive a big pickup truck. I, I guess I could say I'm this stereotypical man. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm sensitive. I am caring, Mm. I am, I care about others. And I hope that other men seeing that a real man can also have nice attributes to itself. Mm. And a real man can also care about others. Uh, Mm. I mean, I can give you an example. One of my best friends is from Sri Lanka, Uh, shorter than me, uh, a bit uh, smaller than, than myself. Whenever we go out to restaurants, I am vegan. I don't eat meat. But whenever we go to a restaurant, he orders a steak or the, the vegetarian or the vegan meal. But when they bring it to us, they give me the steak. They give him the vegetarian meal <laughs> because I'm the big guy. I'm the guy that is supposed to eat me because that is what a man do, does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the same way, I guess, that I've been working through breaking that stereotype that i like, yes, I'm a big dude, but I don't eat meat and that doesn't make me less than a man i oh. still ride a bike i still exercise maybe i'm not uh i'm not a calvic clean model but i have the energy <laughs> yeah like i i haven't lost my testosterone i, I mean i still <laughs> practice jujitsu and i can still yes. like do good at it
1: yeah.
0: um mm. i i'm hoping that that can help break the stigma of what yeah. a man a real man should look like or do in this case right um, a real man can also ask for help a real man can also say I was a victim I cried I cried I mean I I almost broke in tears on that uh, life with that I did that I was allowed to be in with Justin Baldoni and I'm not ashamed of it uh mm-hmm. I used to be but not anymore because I mean crying is not something that should be looked as wrong between men and that is uh, uh, talking about parenting i want to make sure that my kids know that and my Hmm. my male kids know that it's okay for their dad to cry it's Hmm. okay for their dad to feel under the weather and i don't need to have the answers for absolutely everything
1: i'd like to understand you more now now today as a father so what are things that you've changed because of the work that you've been doing? And how are you parenting differently now with your kids?
0: Uh, I mean, I definitely don't want to portray myself like the perfect father, but that doesn't exist. Um, What I try and I work because, and I say I try, because at the end of the day, we always have relapses and we always Mm -hmm. like fall back into old habits. But what I try is to be more patient. I try to be more caring of their feelings as well uh i i I try to i used to be the like the 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 one that is like i don't care like just go to bed Uh, but they're like but i'm scared i don't care go to bed Mm -hmm. uh maybe try to under what is making you scared what is it like what is wrong what is the problem i mean you have your brother you have me in the other room what do you need to feel more safe maybe try to look for those kind of things like Mm -hmm. try to try to like see the areas where I'm failing. Like if I have a, uh, like I, I did it recently with my son, like if I had a bad day and maybe like I scream at him for no reason, or maybe I didn't had um, like uh, the reason to scream at him for, maybe he did something wrong, but it was not not big enough for me to just all of a sudden explode at him.
1: Hmm.
0: I, I, I went back to him and I said, I'm sorry, my problems or the, my bad days should not be, reflected on you. And I don't want you to feel bad about what you did just because I was having a bad day. That is not right. So I feel like one of the biggest things is is catching yourself up on those wrong moments and trying to make them right. Because I want to avoid as much as I can my kids having to go through therapy to be treated for some of the mistakes I make. Mm -hmm. My mistakes should not affect them or my own traumas should not affect them. And so that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to work on, I mean, definitely expressing them, my emotions as much as I can. I think I work on maybe telling them uh, at least 10 times a day I love them because Mm -hmm. I think they need to know that I love them. Um, I created this little thing, little habit for my kids, it got a little disrupted with whole COVID. But I created this thing that every time I took them to school, I will ask my kids, what are you? And then they re- they will respond, I'm happy, I'm brave, I'm strong and smart, and I'm beautiful. Or in this case of my kids, I will, my, my sons, I'll say, I'm handsome. Mm-hmm. So then And then it will follow up with a question of who do I love the most? And initially they will ask, they will answer my mommy, my daddy. And I said, no, (laughs) you should love yourself the most. Mm -hmm. So then eventually it became a thing where now if I ask them, what are you? They'll say, I'm strong. I'm handsome. I'm smart. I'm I'm beautiful. I'm brave. And I'm trying to give them that confidence that they can Mm -hmm. do what they want and what they put themselves into mind like in their minds right Mm. Let's. and i will always say that's what i'm trying to do i don't think i will ever be perfect but i'm trying my best and i think that's what Mm. should count Mm.
1: i think that's beautiful and it's perfect we can't we will never be perfect as parents. We will always make mistakes. And it doesn't matter if we're a parenting expert, a therapist, uh, whatever you do in life, it, we, all, we all make the same mistakes in parenting. You know, we'll all have our days where we're tired and overwhelmed and we'll yell at them. That's normal. Um, I think you mentioned something really important, though, that failing aspect um because maybe for men as well there's this sort of idea of having to be perfect and having to be good at everything right and admitting to failing with your child is 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 vulnerable right you have to say that you're not perfect and, and that must be really hard it's hard as a mom but i know that it's hard as a dad as well um and i love that you brought that up because admitting to failure is okay <laughs> we we have to be okay with that that part as a parent um there's, there's something else that I'm curious about. You know, I've heard through emails from, from parents, from moms and dads, that they think when it comes to parenting and discipline, that fear, putting fear in your child means that they'll respect you, right? So it, it, there's still spanking going on like in, in society, in some, in some cultures, and in some places. And it's something that I try to talk about, where discipline is teaching, Like you've mentioned a bit this a little bit, you know, where we're trying to teach them right and wrong. But when it comes to discipline, I'm seeing a difference from the emails that I get from mom between moms and dads. Do you have any thoughts in terms of maybe it's the way that they were raised too? Why am I seeing such a difference between moms and dads when it comes to discipline?
0: Um, You mentioned the the fear and respect. Um, I constantly have this conversation sometimes when when the topic comes about how, oh, the, I, I wish the generations from nowadays were like the ones before where we respected our parents and we respected adults and we respected authority. And I think I've always mentioned that I don't think the word res- word respect is correctly used there because I don't think I've ever respected my dad. I think I feared my dad. Like, I mean, I will fear getting a beat up. Like if I did something wrong, I mean, not to go back in the, in the past because I think this conversation about parenting, but I literally got my, um, there was one time I did something and my dad punched me with like a closed fist. And I was, I will say like 14, 15 years old. And uh, I hyperventilated myself. I almost had like a half paralysis because like my hands started curling up. My mouth is starting to kind of like get like from one side, like I couldn't really open my my the side of my lip. And that is not respect. That is fear. That is that is absolutely and and that is goes back to generations. Like generations will not respect their parents. They will fear their parents because they know that if something happens, I've already, listen, I, even if I spank my kids, I don't think I'll ever be able to spank them with such a brutal strength that they will actually be like, oh my God, like I'm hurt. Like sometimes like I'll give a little spank to my kids on like, just like as a playtime. And I know that I will never be able to hurt them. Mm. And that kind of like sometimes makes me understand what does, why do we even do that? like why do like they're not eventually they laugh about it Hmm. like and unless we're actually willing to go the extra mile like some parents did or do Mm -hmm. which is actually hurting them yes which why would you hurt your own child like i mean i was hurt as a as a kid like physically Hmm. and i mean that did not create any respect it created fear and it created uh anger and it created Hmm. like like, wrong feelings towards my father, for example. Mm. So, definitely, we got re- to read. We got to research uh, to, I mean, I'm not saying we like this. Um, I think we have to be strict. I do like, we have to be strict with yeah. what we say.
1: Yeah.
0: Because then they don't take us seriously. Yeah, of course. Um, but, I mean, for example, like, my son, I just ground him like I ground him one entire day for like he did something. He was not listening. I ground him with something. And but he was not. I, I didn't scream. No. I just I just said, you're grounded tomorrow. No. You're not going to see your tablet all day. And you can whine. You can come and ask me. You can do whatever. You can listen for the entire day and you're not going to have it. Mm. And it worked out better for me than actually maybe hitting him or spanking him so or doing anything.
1: Mm. And that's part of the discipline part. it's it's there are consequences there are boundaries. and when you look at research actually they, they say that we have to balance two things in parenting warmth and boundaries so those rules and consequences. but you have to have the warmth and that the mix of these two, the warmth and the boundaries is what leads to a child's a child thriving later on. Um, but you the boundaries are very important. So saying that you know I think we do have to be strict, but there's a limit like you said, right? hitting will not teach them what's right or wrong um it's it's the consequences and the rules and the following with the rules like you did
0: it's just i mean and we all might be victims as parents as i said i will never want anyone to think i'm the perfect parent i make my mistakes sometimes Mm -hmm. i do fall into like screaming when i don't need to scream or or getting or getting mad but it's it's at the end of the day we have to understand that all those actions are causing trauma on them, mm. and it's just it, that is the worst thing that we can do to our, our kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I think as adults we should all look at ourselves and see like did my parents screaming at me ever worked for them? Mm-hmm. Did it ever cause anything positive? Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot say that my dad being abusive to any of my siblings or I was brought anything positive. If anything, it just made us resent him for not understanding us and not maybe like taking a moment to think and be like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why am I going to hit them? Like what they did, was it like bad enough for them to maybe be like physically hurt? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that should, that should not be, uh the, the the first thing that you resource to mm-hmm. Uh but the problem is at the same time is if we do not heal ourselves if we do not do the inner work in ourselves we're never going to be able to stop those habits
1: mm. i think the last thing i want to touch on with you is is that work that you just mentioned so I'm I'm thinking of a, a father who's listening and says, okay, you know, identify now with, with what you went through and that I need help. But now maybe the therapy is is a hard part for them to move forward to because there's a lot of stigma still around that, right? You've failed if you're going to therapy. You've screwed up somewhere or you're not good enough or you're not mad enough or what, you know. So what would you say to those fathers or men that are listening um, to, to try to help them understand a little bit of about the importance of therapy and why it's it's an important big step in in the healing process
0: especially with parents i think we got to like put the cards on the table and uh, like almost like understand what is it more important the way other guys look at me or the way my family looks at me Mm -hmm. or, or the way my kids will potentially look at me in the future is it worth for me to be an abusive father, uh, maybe even like uh, uh, not even patient or compassionate father to my, my kids, just so I can look good with the guys, hmm. is, it, is, it, is it worth it? Because if it's worth it, I mean, I, mean, I guess go for it. I mean, your family is going to like eventually resent you forever. And then the, your kids might grow uh, far away from you mm. because they don't want anything to do with 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 yourself and with that uh, misguided uh, masculinity mm. that you like put out there. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 is those guys worth you not being yourself? Mm. Like, are is it, it, it? Because as I mean, we quote Justin Baldoni's book. Like sometimes, like our fear of the bullying from other men it's higher or it's stronger than our own fears Mm. so i mean some men will say yeah i just don't want to be bullied by my buddies because uh, i just don't want to so i'd rather be this like strong mm, toxic mm, man around my family because this makes me look like a guy Mm -hmm. like a real man but I think we got to put the things on the table and, or on a balance and be like, what is actually more important? Like, I, I think we were gifted with the life of these children and we, they did not choose to be here. That is another thing that we need to mm. like understand. They did not choose to be here. We brought them to this world. We actually brought them here and now we're going to make them suffer like Mm -hmm. no that should not be right Mm -hmm. we should actually put them as a priority Mm -hmm. not our group of buddies that just makes us feel like less of a man when we're around them Mm
1: -hmm. you think the pressure about being less of a man when you're a father do you think it's very high when you have a newborn the only reason why i'm asking is because i often get moms who're saying the father isn't changing diapers they're not feeding you know bottle feeding the child they're not helping with the early stages because they feel that it's not their role um, that they're going to wait until the child is big enough to play ball or to, to you know to do stuff with but there's a huge role especially when you look at research in the bonding you know between a newborn and a father they have a role in that um, do you think that it's very strong there between men you know even in the states they don't have a, a very, in the United States there there isn't a very big matern- a paternity leave or any I think I'm not sure Um do you think that the early stages of a child's life is is a strong one there for in terms of men like talking about?
0: Of course, like definitely, like I will, yeah, give you the hundred uh, percent on that. Like right? yeah. they, I feel like the problem is that as men doing delicate things makes us ah. not be a man enough. You Good. know what I mean? Like yeah. our hands are for destruction or for mm. building or for like like having to like. I remember holding my 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 new my firstborn, and I was like, man, I, I almost feel like I can like break him. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's so small, it's so tiny. Like, mm. and and I had to learn to be delicate. Mm. And even putting a diaper, like it's not. I don't think it's even the gross part, because I mean, there's men that are plumbers and are dealing with
1: <laughs> real <pieces>
0: yeah <laughs> as they work. So yeah, I mean, if hell. you're a plumber. And you have to deal with that in your work. Yeah. Why don't you do that with your own child? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So like, I don't think it's, it's the changing the diaper or the gross part about it. I think it's the fact that they got to be delicate and they mm-hmm. got to be like, and then it might look, some guys might be proud of saying Like, I never changed a diaper in my mm-hmm. life. That was my wife's thing. You know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. no, it is important for you to be present. Kids will maybe you don't even think about it, but kids will remember some of these uh, things. They will remember how uh, compassionate and delicate you were with them mm. when they were when they needed it the most. Mm. And it, it just creates more of like they say that women have the mother instinct. W- women are born with that mother instinct, and that's They're why they dreaming. know how to be a. nurturing and I don't, maybe, yes, you guys carry them for nine months of their lives. You have that. But the problem is also whenever you see a kid playing with a stroller and playing with dolls, we're like, no, 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 that's a girl's thing. Don't do that. Well, girls and baby girls are raised playing to be mothers Mm -hmm. while men play cars or play construction or play sports. So, Obviously, if we're not teaching them that as they're, uh, from their young ages, they're not going to develop the father skills that they should have. Mm-hmm. They're not going to develop that. So we need to also start teaching them that when they're children. But then as men, we need to start being more present on those moments when they're young mm-hmm. and, and, and breaking that stigma. I definitely agree with you. It's important for men. All my kids were homebirds. And wow. it, it was just such a I, – I really value – the effort that women go through, and uh, when they're giving birth, seeing it like in my in my house, in my bed, <laughs> oh, like pulling like pulling amazing. my baby, yeah, like it was like whoa, like like all of a sudden I saw this little thing coming out of her, and it was a massive <laughs> head. And I was like whoa, like my God, like that just came out of her, like <laughs> like that must be painful, and all these different things came yeah. out of my head. You know what I mean? And but there's a lot of parents that don't want to be present in those moments. Mm. And it really gave me a a bigger appreciation of Mm -hmm. the work that my wife had to go through to be a mother. And then that I had to make sure that my kids respect her because she just went through so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, but but yeah, we gotta be present. Like, I mean, it's not something that they teach us. And that's why I feel it's important for us to teach it for our kids. I mean, I had to learn to change diapers there as any other man where my wife already had an idea because she will change their dolls diapers. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. It's almost like something that they should, women should already know, but men is like, no, we don't need to know that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, the current, our society's definition of a man, you know, strong and brave and all of that stuff. How would you like your two kids to describe what a man is?
0: as they get older. Hmm. Uh, this is this is <laughs> a this is a good question. I mean I I I don't know if I don't know if I, I can give you the perfect definition of what I want them to think, but I definitely want them to understand that a man should be caring, a man should be sensitive, a man should be vulnerable and I mean, I think as long as we teach them vulnerability, Mm. it's one of the biggest things. I've always said, like, vulnerability is kind of like the beginning of everything, right? Like, if we can, if if as men, we cannot look like a bunny and say, like, oh, my God, how cute it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) men don't do that. Even, like, (laughs) even the, like, most men, if they want to buy or get a pet, for example, they will choose a pet that makes them look manly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah.
0: For the longest time, I said, I, and I mean, I think I still, I, I still have been saying it. I don't think for the same reasons, but a long time, I said, I don't want a small dog. My wife will say like, I want one of those chihuahuas yes. or the small ones. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, how would I look going around walking that little thing on the street? <laughs> how would that make me look? But because like, then I, it's just that wrong image we need to be to, to teach men to be vulnerable from the young ages but also now the the, the older uh generations that is fine it's mm. fine to look at like a bunny and say how cute is that <laughs> it's fine it's fine to look like a uh, a flower and and say like those are beautiful mm. it's fine for a man to buy flowers for himself mm-hmm. like mm. like it's it's fine for us to appreciate that as well mm. Uh so I feel like I would like my kids to really understand that a man should and should be vulnerable, caring, and sensitive.
1: Thank you for being you and for, for chatting with me today. I, I I know we're gonna chat again sometime. Um, how can our listeners find you and and join in this this beautiful movement that you're creating?
0: Well, in Instagram, we have it's just started. It doesn't have a lot of content, but we do have the brunch clubs Instagram account, uh, and I have my own personal account, which is called the uh, Bearded Vegan Cook, uh, where I tried I, same thing. I just recently. I was not into. I. I mean, I have my businesses, my business or my restaurants uh, Instagram account, but I. I didn't had a personal Instagram account, so I just recently started working on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, all this work is going to be constantly going through there. As I said, my podcast should soon uh, began, and uh, we will. I will be definitely working a lot into this initiatives in this uh, movements where it's, let's make let's let's create a safe space for mm. men to be vulnerable mm. because I feel like and I've, I've said it a few times if we create a safe space for men to be vulnerable, we are creating a safe space for women to be free.
1: I don't want to add anything to that. Thank you. I will add all the links to the page for this podcast episode. And as you continue growing, please reach out and I'll keep sharing what you're doing because it's an important um, thing. Thank you. No, thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Emmanuel please don't forget to subscribe to the curious neuron podcast, leave a rating and a review if you are enjoying these episodes and follow us on Instagram at curious underscore neuron or at curious neuron podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.